Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Welcome everyone to your second Captain's Champions Cup podcast on a weekend when the rugby took place the big in, one. in the shadow of the World Cup final. <laughs> even Simon, even the great Hugo Porta would accept this premise, Murph. And you just know Simon Hicks' Go face on. lights right. Look at his face, yeah. Murph. It's just lit, lit right up there at the mention of the name of Nasbota, Grant Fox, Porta, yeah. Yeah, Porta. The Pumas greatest, three ever, and a, greatest ever fly half. Greatest ever fly half? Yeah, in, in Argentina. Well, Felipe Cantabomi. Answer the damn questions, Simon. <laughs> Don't just speaking name alternative options. Speaking in yesterday's Sunday Times, Porta told John Carlin about his career. I'd play an international here for the Pumas on a Saturday against, say, the All Blacks. And on the Sunday morning, I'd be out playing a game of football with my mates. I have my traje- trajectory in rugby and people ask me about it when I'm out for dinner. But sooner or later, the conversation will always turn to football. I don't get resentful. Far from it. I'll happily join in because I love football myself. How could I not? I was born and raised here. I'm mad about the game. <laughs> I just love that image of Hugo Porta's posh Argentinian dinner parties yeah. where his friends are politely asking about his stupid rugby career. Uh-huh. Before It's like, you know, you, you, your, mate, <laughs> your mates who work some finance job you don't yeah. understand. <laughs> well, no, you, still, you still have to ask them about it. How's work? Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good yeah. Yeah. I don't really understand the rugby, but yeah. anyway, what about Maradona? What do you, what do you you mean posh by the way uh, well, you I'm just assume that all Argentinian rugby players are posh um, listen maybe, go right ahead and make ma- maybe I've weighed into a hornet's nest here Simon a classist <laughs> hornet's nest that I don't need to that I can just extricate myself right now yeah. uh, from even the rugby players care more about soccer yeah yeah, it is great I had to wade deep into the Sunday Times sports section to find that article by the way the first mention of the World Cup final this is yesterday on the day yeah. of the game other than uh, on a, like a little small photo of Leo Messi playing against Wayne Rooney on the front page was 10 pages in. They went <laughs> deep into the... Page three, Gatland gunning for Ireland again. <laughs> there's, Six Nations build-up. We eventually get to the football around page eight there was, where there's a two-page spread by David Walsh on Southgate staying in the England job. For, you know, fair enough, that's for yeah. the English audience there. Before eventually we hear the Rooney article and get stuck into the World Cup <laughs> final. Let's have a listen. It's just, they, they went a different way than yeah. most other publications yesterday. Well, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, is it not? Was it not like a pullout or something? No, it was a pullout. Okay. Well, I mean, no, 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 no. Sorry, no. The football wasn't. Uh, no, the sports section was. Well, of course, a the sports. Yeah. No, yeah, the football yeah. wasn't a pullout in the middle. It was on page ten. I meant to bring it into you, Murph, but wow. I'll, I can send you some photos. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that because yeah. I'm refusing to believe well, you. Well, I'm afraid you don't have to believe me on this very <laughs> minor. Gunning for Ireland again. That's amazing. Well, listen. I mean. It is a big story. Our World Cup final podcast is out now. Has been out since the early hours of this morning. Thank you, by the way, to everyone for your patience. I, I A lot of pals on to me saying, is the podcast out tonight? Is it tomorrow morning? What's the story? Mm. Ken was writing a lot of Irish Times <laughs> articles, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff, and was a very busy man. And we just about got him before his brain had entirely melted. So the I man know, he, he went stone mad mid-links with you two. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah, ab- yeah, yeah. about... About half an hour in, he yeah. started really getting yeah. wild. But he was aware pain. of that madness. He was, yeah. 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 yeah so, I mean, it's kind of a, the Catch-22 thing there. You know, yeah. if you're aware of the madness, then you're going to have to fly. You know? <laughs> it was funny, though. He only, I, I, I got the sense he only realised as he was talking to us and he was doing, doing the math on it that, wait a second, I'm a bit tight for time for this flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had to get back. He had to pack. We didn't, we don't, we haven't heard from him since. I, I presume it's all good, but I did have visions of him being in a, in a hurry and we know when he's in a hurry out of his mm. a hotel slash apartment in Injuries Doha, follow. Can what happen. can happen. So mm. just hopefully he got home safe and sound. He also put together an amazing, his Irish Times work didn't go to waste either, Murph. Some good lines. It would piece. not be true to say that the whole world was willing Messian to win the game. Opposing him were a coalition of the French, many non-Argentine South Americans, Real Madrid fans, Cristiano Ronaldo stands, professional contrarians, and other assorted sickos, perverts, and desperados <laughs> who for different twisted reasons hate the ideas of happiness, completeness and justice. <laughs> so You can write. Yeah. You can write cogently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a couple of friends um, also, for whatever reason, who didn't fancy Messi winning this uh, final. So I said, I did send them this exact screen grab that Brano uh, tweeted last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, are you one, two or three with the one <laughs> over the sickles, two over the burgers? <laughs> And three over the desperados. There's even there's a lot of there's a lot of Argentina content has come in even since we recorded that podcast. So we'll have to reflect some of that again in Tuesday's Tuesday second captain's pod. Sign up now, by the way, to be a World Service member to hear Ken's thoughts on Charlton against Brighton and Hove Albion in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday night. (laughs) Will Alexis McAllister play that one? Probably not. Did you see the tweet from Brighton and Hove Albion's official Twitter account? No. What did they have to say? Alexis, when we asked him, uh, do you want to play against Charlton on Tuesday night? And there had been a previous uh, semi-viral clip of Alexis McAllister and his hilarious laugh. He's got an extremely weird uh, way of laughing. And so they had just tweeted that video underneath the question of whether he wanted to play against Charlton on Tuesday night. Have you you seen the the dad, the lad who played with Maradona, by the way? People are saying McAllister looks Irish. The dad is. <laughs> there's, there's. I can't remember who one of the. If you fo- saw him in Drimna Boxing Club now, he wouldn't look a yard out of place. One of the football journalists tweeted a photo, his your man's football card from the eighties, yeah, and said that he looks like he's just gone on a surprise loan move to Boca Juniors after a career at Falkirk or something <laughs> along those lines. And you, know, you can just, you can substitute an Irish yeah, club in yeah, there for, for the Scottish yeah. club and you'll see where we're going there. So yeah, more football to come through the week. What about the rugby side? Yeah. Ulster of the story? Yeah, Ulster of the story. Um, just to take it back and, and give some context to maybe people who weren't concentrating that much on the rugby. So they lost, or they were up... 22-3 against Leinster three weeks ago. This was against 14 men. Keane Healy got in a red card. 
absolutely fell apart in every conceivable way, you know, physically, mentally, lost at 38 points to 29, then lost 39-0 to Sale last week, arguably their worst ever loss in Europe or yeah. worst ever performance. Then they go down uh, 29-0 at halftime to La Rochelle in an empty Aviva at the weekend. Come back to lose it ultimately 29-36, but get a losing bonus, obviously, and a four-try bonus point and deny La Rochelle four tries. And, you know, they played brilliantly in that second half. They were completely outplayed in the first half. And then some pundits are saying, you know, they've given them, they've saved their season with that second half comeback and those two crucial points because it doesn't actually take that many points to get into the round of 16 in the Champions Cup. Uh, I think seven or eight points even can do it, uh, match points. So whether they've saved their season or not, I think they've given themselves a chance to save their season. Yeah, there was an amazing shot at the end of the game of Ronan O'Gara. And like you're saying, so the match was moved to the Aviva Stadium. Yeah. Had to be played behind closed doors. Yeah, it went from Ravenhill to then RDS and then to the Aviva all in like the space of a few hours. The big advantage of that is you get to see the demeanour of the various coaching teams in a topsy-turvy game like mm. this. And Ronan O'Gara was sitting there. Now, I really like Ronan O'Gara. I think he, he speaks well, very well, in fact. Mm. He never looked. He he has a miserable head in him at the best of times. He doesn't mm. doesn't just 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 you know he doesn't l- yeah. always look happy even when he probably is yeah. very happy. So despite winning this match, he sat there slumped in his chair, looking as angry as I've ever seen Ron O'Gara look. Yeah. Certain, I've seen him look angrier and, and sort of you know shouting at people, but as pissed off, quietly pissed off as I've ever seen him look. Yeah, and I wonder. There's a bit of I'd say his players thinking they had the job done almost correctly or accurately. You couldn't blame a player for thinking that way. So maybe he's blaming his players for the Ulster comeback. But Ulster, like Cooney was amazing. The last kick of the game, even to to get the losing bonus, he, he scored a try. Um, they just, there was a few of their players that went from, you know, zero out of 10 to nine or 10 out of 10 in the second half. And it just begs the question once again, and we'll try to get into this with uh, Jerry and Darren Cave. Yeah. The Ulster psychology, they're, they're, they're the most interesting team in Irish rugby at the moment. The most difficult to explain and... You know, a potentially really high ceiling, make the right signings, have a really good playing group at the moment. McFarland seems like a good coach, but also like the lowest floor. You know, the highest ceiling, lowest floor, Ulster. They're, they're barmy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. England have been absolutely ripped. 
Jerry, great to see you. Thanks so much for popping into us. Pleasure as always, even on a grim Monday like this. Ah, well, listen, we'll, we'll brighten it up here. Darren, good to talk to you. Nice, easy one for you to start. Could you please explain the Ulster rugby psyche to us? Because we're trying to work it out after the past few matches. Firstly, I have to thank you guys for waiting probably three years for Ulster to lose three games in a row for <laughs> inviting me back on the pod. So thank you for that. Um, uh, no. <laughs> the, the Ulster psyche, um, whew, explain it. That was a, you, you didn't give me much um, time to settle in there, did you? I thought you were going to ask me how I was getting on. Straight, um, in, straight, straight in with the big ones. It's just so bonkers. The, the, the most the recent, the Leinster game was, was crazy. Obviously then there was nothing, there was no redeeming quality to the, the defeat against Sale. And then at halftime yesterday, it's just absolute, uh, at the weekend, it's absolute carnage. But then you do have to factor in the spirited comeback. So there's, there's something there, but it's also just been, it's been so up and down the last few days. Yeah, well, I actually think the um, the second half comeback, um, you know, you can kind of debate the importance of two losing bonus or the two bonus points if you want. But the fact that we showed a bit of um, uh, fight and played some decent rugby, I actually think was very important because rewinding the clock, um, you know, when that Kane Healy got sent off in the RDS, automatically the stakes of that game were raised massively um, to, oh my goodness, are Ulster going to win um, in the RDS here and the implications for that? Or um, are Ulster going to lose here and Leinster going to prove that they're better than one of their biggest rivals with only 14 players? Now, unfortunately, from an Ulster point of view, it was the latter. Then to compound that with that phenomenal result, I, I couldn't believe it, in seal. And at half time, you were left going, I don't mm. have my calculator on me. But, you know, the last, um, uh, you know, half, two halves, like 150 roughly minutes of rugby, they've probably conceded like the guts of 80 points. Um, so I think that second half was very, very important just to uh, literally get them back on track. First half, though, Jerry, was so bad, especially after what happened to them last week. Yeah, it was a continuation. In actual fact, I did the maths on it, Darren, and, and in those four halves of rugby, just over four halves, since just before halftime, the RDS, when they were leading 22-3, they conceded 93 points and scored seven in four halves of rugby. And it's a funny thing, I think, going back to the original question to you, Darren, about the Ulster psyche, because I'm damned if I understand it either, that when the wheels come off or when they suffer a big setback, they don't seem to have a great bounce-back ability, as it's called. They do seem to, It does seem to get them down for a while. Um, I mean, you know, post-European hangover, losing at home to Munster, their only home defeat of last season. And I, I agree with you totally. At half-time, with those stats, 93-7, um, you're thinking, Ulster's season is about to implode here completely. Because... It's, ha- it's not been great up in the Kingspan this season. I've been up there a few times, even when Leinster caught up there. Johnny Sexton, potentially last ever appearance of the Kingspan. It was far from a full house. And local journalists tell me it's not, the games aren't brilliantly marketed. Um, and even that, though, also were playing great rugby up until that second half against Leinster. Um, it just didn't seem to have the feel-good factor that it ought to have had up there. And had they lost heavily to La Rochelle, 
in front of an empty AV, but the game having been lost for whatever reasons and Ulster and Dan McFarlane and Johnny Petrie maintained that the pitch would have been playable on Saturday and was very much an EPC or decision to have the game moved. Still in all, if the second half had continued in that awful trend of the first where everything that could go wrong did go wrong and the body language both in Salford against Sale and in that first half didn't look great, Darren. So yeah, I agree with you totally. I think they've, they may not have salvaged their European Champions Cup campaign in that second half with those two bonus points, but they might well have salvaged this season. Yeah, I mean, totally. And uh, there were times probably in the sale game which surprised me the most were the, I hate just coming on and say a lack of leadership because it's such a great, easy sound bite to throw around. But I, I was looking and like, you know, sales, uh, I think it was their second try was a, was off second phase. They scored twice off first phase. Mm-hmm. And I was looking, like it's not, it was innovative stuff when Leinster were doing it, you know, 10 years ago under Joe Schmidt. But these we, you know, these easy inside balls after you hit a midfield and like we've seen, we saw Rob Carney sneak up the inside of the ruck and players talking about cleaning deep. Like we've been seeing this for years. Um, again, to receive to um to concede twice off first phase uh, over in Salford, just where players are um, you know, I don't know. It, it's not overly um it just looked it was very it was seriously bad stuff. There's been a load of stuff going on off the pitch. I think what's made it worse for Ulster was um Obviously, the travel over to Sale was a bit of a shambles, and it came twenty four hours after Leinster had um, had a shambles of a of a trip and a phenomenal performance. That definitely yeah. didn't help them. All the stuff that's going on last weekend, again, I think it's a really, really tricky one. You don't want to make excuses. Um, it, I would like more and more available uh, information about what happened to become available because Ulster. Um, seem to be very much washing their hands of this in terms of we had no say in this. Um, and just, Darren, and just to say, yeah, Dan McFarland, Jerry alluded to it, it, the Ulster coach said, I'm angry, I'm angry about it, I've got to speak up about it, the decision to move it uh, away from the Kingspan. There's more to European rugby than a game played between four lines. It has spirit, it has feelings. If you want to reduce it to the word product, the product is more than just the game. We all remember what matches were like during COVID. Where's the heart and soul in those games? You'd watch it in the same way. You'd watch an e-sports tournament. Whether you watch on TV or sat in the stands, the occasion is lost without fans in the stadium. I don't think Dan McFarland is one given to these kind of these kind of fiery comments. So that was quite noteworthy. Yeah, and again, there's a lot to dissect in that. If you were, I wasn't at the RDS on Friday night. It's a that's a whole different can of worms. It, I mean, I was sitting watching it from home, and it didn't look like much of an occasion to me. If you think of the the history of Champions Cup, particularly in this country over the last twenty twenty five years, um, but we'll not open that can of worms. And but listen, he is correct, and you know, it, you don't want to make excuses. But if you get out, um, if you get out the record books and you look at French teams and how they've performed in Ireland, now I I do think this Lara. Shell team are a different beast I think how they're coached how they play but over the past 20-25 years you look down the lists and you see like home advantage is home advantage is absolutely phenomenal um, I pl- played in a number of times against French teams in, in Ireland and I can only remember losing once to a, to a pretty spectacular Toulon side so it does make a difference um, why the game was moved whose decision it was no fans allowed Um it, it's a bit of a shambles, to be honest. But again, from an Ulster point of view, you don't want to be sitting talking about all this and not, you, you have to own the first half performance, which, to be honest, if you have aspirani- aspirations of winning trophies, is just not good enough. Well, the CEO, Johnny P, 
Petrie uh, tweeted as well. Standing in the middle of a firm but playable pitch, Kingspan Stadium just now. Frustrated doesn't even come close to covering how I feel at this moment. If I'm honest, such a shame for all Ulster rugby supporters, players and staff. And then he tweeted again. In case people wonder, when watching the match, there's a large official delegation from the La Rochelle Club attending, agreed by EPCR, not as a result of us. So very pointed tweets. All this anger from himself and McFarland... Um, and sort of going public with it as well. And yet you see that first half performance. Like, is it doing them any good to get riled up by this stuff? Uh, or could it actually be damaging them? Is there is there anything else going on off the pitch besides all this unplayable pitch and flight issues and everything else like that? Or is it is it just uh, the players off form or, or mental or psychological weaknesses? Um, again, it's a it's it's a hard question to to answer fully because I mean Ulster's uh, sort of um, difficult few weeks didn't start with a frozen pitch on Friday. Um, but again, and we don't know in the background, or I certainly don't know. There's there's rumours going around that the loss of of match day revenue and 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 all the refunds for Ulster is going to cost them over half a million quid. You know, is that reimbursed from the EPCR? We don't know who made the decision. There was rumours going around that it was um, uh, it was the referee made it the day before. And um, I, I saw on Twitter also, you know, the fans were saying, why was the game not moved um, to Sunday in Belfast and I think Johnny Petrie replied saying you know you'll have to ask the tournament officials and he replied to a few fans on Twitter um, which is that's his prerogative and he said those exact words so I got the impression that um, you know that uh, that it really wasn't much to do with them I feel a little bit of empathy for them in terms of um, people saying they didn't, you know, do enough during the week. I saw pictures of of um, heaters on the pitch, and they give daily updates. I'm not really sure what they they can do. Um, I just think, uh, you know, is if it, I was, oh, in I guess that my group, question is more: should they just get over? Things go against you. Bit of bad luck. Maybe the EPCR got it wrong or called it too late. S- suck it up, basically. Suck it up a bit. A bit like you know, Leinster with the flight thing and not letting it get to them. A bit like a bad refereeing decision. It's going to happen. Get on with it. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely part of that, and you know, I can't um, as I say I'm not in the group. If I was in the group, if I was a player, remember that coaching staff, like I wouldn't be sitting down trying to get to the bottom of it may or may not have been Luke Pierce's decision and why there was 150, you know, La Rochelle delegates as they were called in the stadium. I mean, it's it's irrelevant if you know you focus on the rugby. Um, I think from a from a higher level, you know, Johnny Petrie's decided to do that quite publicly. Again, that's his decision. That's fine, but um, you know. Is there a need for them to make a huge song and dance about it in the media? Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, there's there's some problems and there's some stuff I would like to see getting corrected on the pitch, which I'm sure they're working hard at as well. Jerry, if you were to give a guess as to what's going on with Ulster psychologically, and it's not just this season. If you think about last season, they beat Toulouse away, then lost at home. Uh, that Stormers game, losing it in the last few seconds. The Stormers were great that day but they had a chance really to win a URC championship, I thought. Um, but if you were to guess at what really is going on in Ulster's heads or is it tactical, why do they oscillate so much? Maybe I'm guessing here, as you as you rightly said, because I don't know for sure, how can you know for sure, but I think perhaps the weight of history, not having won a trophy since 2008, has something to do with it. So that when A Mayo football kind, kind of, thing. of thing. And so that when you do get a guilt-edged opportunity, like in the URC, with Leinster going out in the semi-final, and suddenly you know that if you win, you've got a final a week later in the Kingspan Stadium. It's your best chance to win a tournament since 2008. 
maybe that weighed on them a little bit. Maybe the disappointment of that weighed on them a little bit. So that with each disappointment, the blow seems that bit more crushing. Because certainly the week after they lost, by that, and I watched, I was at the Toulouse away game. They played fantastically well, in actual fact. They should have won by more. And even when Toulouse got back to within six points with a very late try, you felt that that could be decisive and sure enough approved. But even then, they were beaten, what, 50-49 over two legs. Mm. <coughs> no shame in that. But the week later, again, at home to Munster, they barely turned up. And the fans weren't a whole lot better. There was just a, a palpable hangover. There was one attempted rendition of stand-up and fight in the second half in the crowd, and that was it. It was a flat performance. And then the real Ulster, after they got their mojo back, showed up in the semi-final at home to Munster, when admittedly... They also had the whiff of revenge uh, in the quarterfinal, where it was, um, and they did a number on Munster. And I remember James Hume came up after and said, "Look, we just didn't play to our best in the previous two games. We know we're a better side than Munster." And that's that was the real kind of the swagger was back. So yeah. they do seem to go from being swaggering, swaggeringly self-confident to being quite yeah. self-doubting. I, Hume is a good example of that, and I feel they get some things really right, way better than Munster, like their signings. I think Vermeulen is absolutely spot on. Yeah, Getting kits off is spot on. You yeah. kind of feel they get a lot of things right, and yet there's this little weakness here, and I don't even know how you fix it. Would you agree that basically the mental side of it is their biggest issue, uh, Darren? I mean, you could also say their defence is awful at the moment and they're missing Jared Payne. Do, do you see it, though, mainly as psychological rather than tactical or physical? It's, again, it's a hard question to answer. I felt like um, one thing that Dan McFarland did quite well early in his tenure was he kind of got out of the got rid of all the lads that had the baggage and I would include myself in that within a period of um, probably two years there was probably I'd say six players with over 150 games um, probably four over 200 games myself Robbie Diak the likes of Chris Henry Rory Best Andrew Trimble you could name them all day and that was actually the group that wore the baggage you know anyone sort of my vintage my first cap was in 2007 so I managed to play uh, over 200 games yeah. and, and 13 14 years without winning a single thing I don't feel this next group has that amount of baggage um, I can't argue with Jerry and that I, they made an absolute bollocks of last year that was there for the taking uh, to be I, I think the reason they haven't won a trophy in a long time is that they've really, really struggled to beat Leinster and Leinster have been phenomenally dominant and I think that the Champions Cup you know, the addition of the South African teams the quality of some of the French teams that's probably... Uh, the hardest version of the Champions Cup there's ever been and Ulster are just not anywhere near good enough to win that trophy they would admit that but that's truth last year they made a mare of that URC an absolute shocker because we could I think Leinster were just off the back of you may have to correct me here it was either four or five league um, trophies in a row and would you be astounded if they won another four in a row I personally wouldn't be so last year was their opportunity do I think it was sort of bottling it or you know, the Stormers had won 14, I think, games in a row, 15 games in a row, end of the season. So, listen, it's hard to make an argument that there isn't a, a sort of a deep psyche there. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like a lot of those players don't have the baggage of of the previous kind of team. Um, and I think they've the, their biggest issue has been, you know, Leinster's dominance. Jerry, you were at Franklin's, you're at Leinster and, and Munster games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> d- different kind of affairs. I suppose you could say at least Northampton showed some spirit uh, in defeat as opposed to Gloucester, but it was a, quite an, a fractious, sort of ill tempered affair between Northampton and Yeah, Munster. particularly after that melee in the second half, that changed the whole tenor and tone of the game. I thought Munster went out there and played really good rugby, very bright, inventive trick plays, plenty of width. 
Um, a lot of skill. Crowley dancing feet offload to Peter Armani. Antoine Frisch look, had a really good game compared to the previous week. Lovely uh, pass to release Keith Earl. They did some very good things and took their two tries through Gavin Coombs very well. Even that lovely trick play off the line out. Uh, Peter Armani transferring the ball and landing to Tyke Byrne and then setting up a kind of a, a dummy kind of peel around the edge. But instead Byrne offloads to Coombs, which is a great way to launch Coombs a little bit further out. I often feel that, you know, I've seen him now score. He's thinking he's got a good run of tries again. He seems he's got his form back, but you'd like to see him a little bit further away from the ruck where he's coming onto the ball. Um, I think he's got a really good he try against. A little bit longer than some forwards to get up to speed, I think. Maybe, perhaps so. He yeah, has more power so. than most forwards once he gets going. Well, they're, yeah, true, and they're, that's a good point. And they're, but they're hugely reliant on him because they don't have an awful lot of big ball carriers really in that in that pack, or yeah. particularly now without Dayende and Chris Farrell in midfield as yeah, well. It's a much, back yeah injury. Yeah. So um, I thought they played really well in the first half, and then second half. Um, Northampton started to come into it and that whole the Melise changed everything that was quite a cop out I thought by the French officials just to give Jack O'Donoghue and Lewis Ludlam the yellow cards as supposedly instigators Jack O'Donoghue peeled himself away from it smiling was actually the, was anything but a protagonist I thought into what followed in defending the, his thorax yes. his throat for most of it is it, yes. just, is it just one of those ones where the, the referee find the easiest people they can Completely. identify and the Completely. easiest people are yeah. at the first I two or three sitting beside Hugh Godwin the London Pendant the first thing he said to me was um, or the Guardian he said to me was uh There'll be two yellow cards, wait to see one for each side. And sure enough, it came to pass. And was it Proctor, their centre, came in like a human missile, launched himself at Keith Earls? I that was the most dangerous bit. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. That was the worst bit. And I don't know how the TMO... If that happened during a game. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's a yellow card. Style, yes, yeah. exactly. Maybe even a red card. Yeah. And for it to go utterly unpunished and Jack O'Donoghue to get a yellow card, I thought it was ridiculous. But what it served to do, it was like... It got Northampton's cr- the crowd into the game, and the whole atmosphere changed. And the the rain worsened. People were taking flight to sheltered spots, and mm. all the empty seats were free uh, the front. The Munster fans were magnificent. There was two very loud pockets of them, um, particularly one on the far side. But young group of fans. So I met the way home when the flight was delayed until half eleven last night in Birmingham Airport, and they just kept singing throughout and on after the game. They were brilliant. And Munster's defence was at 175 tackles. I'd say nearly 174 of them were in the second half. It was extraordinary. <laughs> one, one 18 phase attack on their line. So, was, you know, they showed two sides of their character to keep Northampton trialless and even pointless in that second half. It was a humongous effort. It's a huge win in their season. Like, it just launches their season a major. It keeps their interest in Europe, which is so vital to them. I mean, I've heard say, heard it suggest that maybe they should be better off qualifying for the Challenge Cup next year because they'd have a better chance to win it. But that's just not Munster. They have to be in the Champions Yeah, it wouldn't Cup. get their adrenaline going. No. It wouldn't get their no. fans going. No. And that's, well, always been the way they do well. Is yeah. By getting those two things running for them, getting the momentum going and being more than some of their parts. Yes, and this this will now feed into the capacity sellout for the Stevens Day traditional fixture against Leinster. It will feed into derbies over the over the festive period. And, you know, gives them a real shot at qualifying now they win the return game at home to Northampton, which I think they're well capable of doing. So, all in all, I thought it was a good day at the office for them and a very significant day in their season. The commentators and co-commentators kept mentioning uh, Dennis Leamy and, you know, all the talk has been... Mikey Brendergast. Yeah, yes, yeah, the yeah. attack and, and more creativity and all the rest of it. But that maybe Leamy is having the more instant... I guess it's easier for a defence coach and a contacts coach mm-hmm. to, to make his impact... Uh, whereas the complexity of an attack, I suppose, is more difficult to put together. But in a game like that, it was very noticeable. And let's th- say the likes of Kilcoyne, who, who's a really good ball carrier, but I think he made something like... 15 tackles. Yeah, and really noticeably powerful, yeah. Yeah. well-executed tackles. If you get somebody like him firing, and I always feel like he's one of those guys who can switch in and out of games, but brilliant when he's in it. 
But if Leamy can sort of get that Sean Edwards style, love your defence, love the hit, love the contact, get fired up by your own defence, South Africa style as well, then that's an element that Munster really haven't had for the last few seasons either. No, um, I think you're right. I think what to, to, to make attack evolved like Mike Prendergast is doing takes time. And you can see it improving a lot in the last few games. I thought, was a try off about five phases by Calvin Nash from a short ball from Joey Carberry where with every one of the phases there was options off the ball and it kept defenders guessing and you can see their work rate has gone up in attack but then in defence as well but for, when you get a defensive second half performance like that I would imagine when you go into the away dressing room much and all as they want to develop this new attacking game it's the second half that will give a dressing room most pleasure that you know they they look can each all look each other in the eye. I know we all they seem we all, really happy as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really happy. And you can imagine the feel good factor when getting away win in Europe and the conditions, lads. I'm telling you, they were deplorable. Mm-hmm. And straight after that, Meli with the cop out of the two yellows, I counted a penalty count from thereafter, and the next nine penalties went to Northampton mm-hmm. from the substitute French referee until Gavin Coombs helped win a penalty with virtually the last play of the game. So to keep them out and that they will go into the dressing room, it would gives it great gives great belief in what Leamy is doing on the training ground. In the same way, the first half will help give belief in what Prendergast is doing on the training ground as well. And um, yeah, Leinster, Leinster coming and Leinster coming. It's going to be like if you'd imagine if they'd lost that game and looking down the barrel of a probable exit in Europe after just two matches mm. with Leinster, Leinster, you know the big ogre Leinster coming on St Stephen's Day. With whatever kind of team they bring down, they'll still be a bloody good team. Yeah. Annoyingly, their B team nearly put more pressure because, like, yes. you're at home. It's Leinster's B team. Yeah. You have to win. Yes, exactly. And all the expats are home. You know, thousands of expats get their one and only chance to see Munster play in Thoman Park or in the flesh all season long. And you lose to a home to a second string B. That's morale wise. That's very, just very damaging. And Leinster actually have a pretty decent record here with their B team, yeah. A stroke B team. Mm, okay, well at least they have that. Munster going in in decent shape. Then do you agree, Darren? Do you think that Munster? Where do you think Munster are at now at this stage of the season? I think they're much improved. Much improved. They came in for a lot of. I wouldn't say criticism. Some of the performances early in the season. Uh, I mean, by the way, uh, Jerry, I will put it on the record. It was Bernard Jackman that was telling everyone that uh, Munster should be in the Challenge Cup next year. So I'm happy to go on the record for that. Um, was it really? Uh, no, <laughs> no, he uh, he won't thank me for saying that. I just given him a hard time about it. But listen, I think they're a complete different team. I think if Jerry's referring to that try in the Edinburgh game by uh, Nash, I think it was in that short ball. Um, I completely agree. Like there's just um, different shapes, um, players. I always say like if you don't give uh, defenders an opportunity to make a bad read they won't make a bad read you've got to give them an opportunity what I mean by that is you've got to use decoys if somebody's you know, running that short ball you've got to have someone sweeping out the back and ver- vice versa and as you keep the ball and put teams under pressure um, p- defenders get tired you get mismatches and people make bad decisions and for me Munster look uh, look much improved um, because there was a while there where you were questioning, you know, the direction and the new uh, the new coaching setup. And I've had tough times when I was playing at Ulster. The problem is the more you're trying to change things, but the results aren't coming yet, the more you want to uh, revert to your default. And there was a time where I was watching Munster and it wasn't that long ago. And I was thinking, this is a team that's trying to evolve, but 
they're not a mess would be unfair but you could see you know naturally they wanted to go back to what they knew that won them games um, but now watch them I wouldn't say that I thought at the weekend they were quite fortunate with that um, I'm not sure how that wasn't a penalty try for me uh, with the Craig Casey incident but you know you ride your luck I thought their defence was absolutely magnificent and it's amazing how quick their season has just turned it wasn't that long ago I think it was when it went Connacht were rolling to Limerick and I remember thinking if Munster lose this the, um, the whole season's gone. Now you're looking at them going, this is probably a team that's going to make the knockout of both competitions. And what was all the, what was all the fuss about, <laughs> Bernard Jackman? <laughs> yeah, the, the Craig Casey incident was when he took a player out in the air just in the corner. Yeah, looked it's a like, penalty try. Because yeah, he was yellow carded, so he was, the, the, the penalty was given, yeah. but not a penalty try, which seemed kind of bizarre. But listen, they got the break that time. Darren, great stuff. Jerry, thanks a million. Pleasure. Cheers. Hello, everyone. I'm just back from the embassy. The embassy. The embassy. The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste that captivates his guests. Monsieur, with this rocher, you're really spoiling us. Well, I had some pate. That's pretty French. Just canapes, man. You know what I mean? Complete absence of Ferrero Rocher. Excellent. Of culture, good manners in football. How many for our shade did you just so shove down your gut? This is why you didn't get invited. As if the French ambassador would poison my palate with a Ferrero Rocher. Monsieur, with this Rocher, you're really spoiling us. I was eyeball to eyeball with the French government's representative here in Ireland. After all the World Cup shenanigans had calmed down last night, I had a look at the highlights of some of the some of the Champions Cup matches. When I saw Leinster at 157-0, I thought, a bit facile, you know, mm. this might not be great. But 57, at least you're going to see a load of spectacular tries from the, the back line. But it was mostly just forwards powering yeah. over. Even their tries that were scored by backs were just off set pieces. It was yeah. really, it was demoral. It's just, it wasn't even No, no Leinster played badly in 157-0. That's how, but Gloucester, honestly, well, they were said in the commentary as well, that scrum half literally doesn't want to tackle. He got out of the way a couple of times of Leinster players. I haven't seen it even in club rugby in a while. Yeah. Lads were... St- just obviously given the message by their club are just not very good. It looked like uh, one of those one, you know those stereotypical French performances uh, usually away from home yeah. when uh, and not all French teams but yeah. there have been mm. these put in over the years where yeah. d- despite maybe beating an Irish province one week they'll yeah. then ship 80 points the next yeah, week. Yeah, the Bourguin, Leinster kind yeah, of style. Yeah, that yeah. kind of a vibe going on there. So uh, don't bother watching those highlights if you haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Murph. Thanks I. Thank you all. Thanks thank Murph. Thanks Simon. Simon. Thanks everyone. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. If you want ad-free podcasts, and plenty of them, do sign up to the World Service on secondcaptains.com for only five euro a month plus fat. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The Second Captain's World Service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sports important. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 